episode 102. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. And Chris Honeywell. Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. This is Comics Monthly Monday, number 16, and I am Scott Gardner. And I'm Chris Honeywell. And it's hey. a little skewed off this month because our episode 100 sort of bumped this one off. But guarantee from now on we'll be back, back on schedule. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, I just want to throw out there real quick, pardon our dust... Uh, this uh, Comics Monthly Monday you can consider to be under construction, sort of, you know, getting a getting a facelift of sorts, you know, like uh, you know, like when you go to your favorite store at the mall and they've got the plastic up and all that shit, you know, there's a little bit of little bit of retooling going on. So, you know, our regular features, uh, Saga the Swamp Thing there and are two tools Ed. involved, so yeah, that's how that <laughs> goes. <laughs> they will be returning. Um, but just give us a little time. Uh, we're, we're reworking them into this format a little bit. So, uh, you know, those features will be returning um, just uh, somewhere down the line. How's in, that for vagary right In a more there? exciting form, yes. Exactly, We'll be yes. bringing yeah. excitement to both. We'll be bring, breathing life into both of them. Exactly. In short, basic, basically what we're looking at doing, we're going to get you to the Alan Moore stuff quicker. Much quicker because the Alan Moore Swamp Thing, one of the greatest comic book series ever written. Uh, but we're in a dry spell right now. We're we're in the pre-Alan Moore, and rather than slog through the next nine or ten months of a admittedly lackluster story, we're, we've decided we're just going to do a fast forward. So we're going to get you there faster. And same thing sort of with Walking Dead. Not that there's any slogging. It's a great book, no. and we are loving every single issue. But we just acknowledged recently that, you know, we are, what, like five or six Five years, years behind, behind, something yeah. like that. So we're going to, and we haven't decided exactly how yet. I don't think we'll do it in one fell swoop. But we're going to basically speed up and, and get to modern stories, modern issues, faster than we're doing at the moment. Well, so right now we're high. just at a dead run with it, you know. We're just keeping right. up, so we'll always be five years behind. Right. Or f- probably closer to six years behind now. Right. So likely what's going to happen with Swamp Thing is that will be an all-in-one all fell swoop, probably a special episode. Swamp Thing, uh, we need to discuss it, but that 
that's a work in progress. And we'll we'll just we'll keep you posted and let you yep. know how that works out. But in the meantime, enjoy uh, this this in between period in in which uh, which is actually going to bleed into the future because we have been saying you know that Comics Monthly Monday is going to become maybe more of our forum for you know some place we can get more guests on. Right. Yeah. You know, well, one of the things, you know, as much of a blast and, and as much as everybody seems to really be, enjoy, be enjoying the quote-unquote new back to the bins, one of the things that was lost um, with the retooling of that show was the rotating guest feature. You know, the, uh, there was, you know, a lot of people really seemed to lament that loss. And so I got to thinking, well, you know, Comics Monthly Monday needs kind of a shot in the arm, and that might be the perfect thing to do is to take that rotating guest thing that's, you know, was was lost at Back to the Bins and bring that over here to Comics Monthly Monday. So we'll, we'll kind of play with that and see how that works out. But I think that's a hell of an idea, and we're actually launching that tonight. We have with us a guest uh, co-host. And uh, is, he, is he back yet, he Chris? He is back. All right. Just in time. And ready, ready to go. Bad boy, Johnny Bueno. <laughs> hey there. Hey, how's it going, buddy? All right. So now, longtime listeners, keen-eared longtime listeners, may remember you from uh, was it one or two of our trivia? I think you were on both of the trivia episodes. Yeah, although one of them I really wasn't there, at least not uh, <laughs> metaphysically. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, you weren't the only you one. You guys we've, called we've me up. I was few... like halfway through a bottle of wine before I was even. <laughs> yeah. I was freaking hammered. It was like a late night, too. Hey, man. Well, you know, I mean, ask our, our buddy Juan Sanchez, you know. Sometimes. Will. They, they usually, Will. What, did I call him Wayne Sanchez? Juan, Juan, you're calling Juan. Juan Sanchez. I'm like, I'm Juan it, Sanchez. I think Juan. you're halfway through a bottle of wine. Well, it's because Juan Castro and here right our buddies and it's just i i lump them into one one name sure will castro <laughs> will castro but um <laughs> yeah those those trivia we were taught we were talking about that in the hundredth episode those trivia ones are hard to get everybody going at once and then they usually end up happening late at late 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 at night so yeah I- you know the wine and the just the rigors of everyday life take their toll on those trivia shows, and so you, you got to be alert. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. <laughs> you know we are so overdue for another trivia episode. I mean seriously overdue because not only have you and I both been we we say this all the time that we really want to do another one, but the listeners really want us to do another one. Every time I talk to somebody who actually participated in one, they they always they ask always me, when are we going to do another one? So, you know, we, we totally have to do another one. But you just gave me a great idea. Oh, yeah? Let's let's do another one. Let's set it up. Let's get as many people as, as we think that Skype can support. Uh-huh. And do it do it late <laughs> at night. Do it with some tough trivia, you know, some like, like Star Wars saga trivia or something like that, where there's going to be some tough questions in there. Plus... We'll have to have some sort of key word or something, or maybe like if you miss a question, you got to take a drink. But we'll have it be oh, a drink. Oh God! And, oh, how fucked up will that be? By yeah. Now? Well, you know, you know. Well, this is this is another thing I was thinking is, you know, a lot of times we can think up our own scoring, 
you know, system or something, and instead of doing it sort of Trivial Pursuit style, that would open up the world of all the trivia books out there that are just, you know, mm-hmm. the big paperback books covered with it. Because, man, I, you see, I myself, I would like to do one that was all, like, genre movie trivia that right, just ran yeah. the whole gamut of everything. So you would get some Back to the Future, you would get old Flash well, Gordon I, stuff, you I mean, get I've Star got Wars, one that's, Star Trek. You know, I've got one that's, you know, it's going to be sorely outdated, but it's a Starlog trivia book. And I'm sure that was... Starlog? Yeah, you remember Starlog <laughs> magazine? Yeah. yeah. It was a shit yeah, for a while. It was, it like was what? The shit. <laughs> it was oh, yeah, shit, yeah. man. It was like one of the sole sources of... Yeah, sci-fi it was a... information. And Fangoria was the horror version. But hey, in the meantime, so what? Uh, what are you into? What are you reading? What are you? What are um, your passions? Your um, I've been reading a lot of smut books. Really, <laughs> sweet. Do you tell know, the underground, the underground stuff. Just about everything. I should. Well, one thing I should have gotten was my. Uh, my comic guide but yeah just the last couple months that's what I've been mostly reading whip out a few titles there well it's funny I was thinking about this today do you guys ever hear of uh, Two-Fisted Tales (laughs) I've heard of it I don't think I've ever read any of it I I know where this is going it was like a Warren title wasn't it no I think it was EC Two-Fisted Tales yeah that's right Mm -hmm. but then they um but as like there's like all sorts of other there's one fisted tails there's three fisted tails and there's four fisted tails. <laughs> what is four? Hey. Fi- I, what are three? <laughs> I know what the one you, fisted tails was going for. <laughs> did you? I know exactly. It makes no sense. It's just that someone did one fisted tails, so someone had to re up it and do three fisted tails. <laughs> so it's like so funny about all these different. Fisted tails. <laughs> now, just These before are... we got going, you mentioned uh, 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 Corbin. Now, yes. um, have you read any of his uh, like smut books that he did back in the day? Because I know he did a lot of work on like uh, bizarre sex and stuff like that. Yeah, actually, I've been getting a lot of bizarre, buying a lot of bizarre sex lately. Um, <laughs> I also snarf. I picked up. I've, I just finished off my collection of bizarre sex. Um, I finally got the last one with the R. Crumb cover, number eight. Is that the one where it's like a giant dick and all these women are are all on top of it? Is that the one? No, that's the one where it's R. Crumb like on the riding broke back on this teenage redhead girl with it. Oh, you know, you you said I was thinking Corbin because the one I just said was a Corbin cover. I was thinking Corbin. I'm sorry. Yeah, Corbin. that's uh, bizarre sex number one with the giant penis with the eye on it. Oh, the the one that's what is it like the penis that invaded the, New York? Yeah, or something yeah. Like that. yeah. Exactly. No, there's there's another one. It's 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 definitely a Corbin cover, and it's like this giant. It I it's guess more it's like a penis monster. Sort yeah, of thing. it looks more like, yeah. like sandworm from Dune or something, and it's like all these like hugely hugely over you know like super titted, overripe. Yeah, all these women yeah. are overripe. Yeah, it's like they're trying to take it down or something. It's like they're yeah. like Amazon warriors trying to wrestle it to the ground yeah. or something. 
Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> yeah, and in the bizarre. Well, by the way, section. this episode is not for the children. By the way, <laughs> which which episode no. is? You know, it's the it's the fluke episode that like the ones that we tag and stuff are the ones that the kids can listen to. Right. You know, right. it's like we just throw throw them a little scrap every now and then. Here you go, Walt Disney. La 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 la. Giant dicks. <laughs> Glad that Disney shit's over. Let's talk about women. But Amazon Bizarre Sex is actually a pretty um, Bizarre Sex is actually a pretty good series because it's got all the classic artists on there. Yeah. And you wouldn't think about it either, but I mean they're and it's it's like everything else. Like it came out really, really hot and really fast. There's a bunch of them that came out, and then it kind of tapered off throughout the rest of the seventies. Right. It's, I like that because I, I have a few of them, and it's it's some of the few. Um, I don't even know what the hell do you call this genre? Because I always just call it smut comics. But I mean, it's, it's there... it, they're underground books. Yeah, Any, anything that was from the '60s up through the early '70s are considered underground comics. Right. And that's C O M I X. Right. And basically, anything from like the mid '80s on, when you start getting into like the Peter Bags and Hernandez brothers, those are considered alternative comics. Right. Right. And that was from like the mid '80s up through the into the mid to late '90s. You know, the milk and cheeses and with Evan Dorkin and you know guys like that. But you know, I mean, a, a title like Bizarre Sex uh, to me always seemed like you know going strictly by the name and by some of the covers that somebody not in the know would just assume, oh, that's just a spank mag like, uh, you know, like Cherry Pop-Tart or something like that. But actually, Cherry Pop-Tart, yeah, Cherry Pop-Tart's actually pretty good, though. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, but it, it's really some just these... there for titillization, whereas something yeah, like Bizarre like like Sex actually has some really good, good. And, and intelligent stories in them, you right. know, yeah. and all that. It's not like Horny Housewives. It's not a triple X book in any ways. It's actually right. a... It's an art book. I mean, it's really right. more of an art book. And one of my favorite artists that I've been reading a lot of lately is this guy by the name of uh, Richard Grass Green. And uh, if you read his stuff, he's in both Bizarre Sex as well as um, um, Snarf as well with his mm-hmm. character Wildman. Um, he's like in the first two episodes, first two issues of Bizarre Sex. He's got some incredible, hilarious cheesecake art. Um, and he's, there's a whole bunch of books that he's done that he put out in the uh, early 70s. Great covers. Um, I was reading that some people consider him kind of like the black R. Crumb in a lot of ways. Um, he was also the guy, Chris, who did uh, Horny Stories in Comics. Uh-huh. Remember that one that I gave to you? That's all of Richard Grass Green, and it's freaking beautiful stuff. It's hilarious, too. It's like he's just got that... that crackle about the way he illustrates and um, it's very cartoonish and very graphic but at the same time it's uh, it's actually really sexy too it's pretty cool well I think um, Scott sort of reminded me of one of the things that differentiates us that stuff from you know spank mags is it was heavily satirical it was right the, the yes, artists yes, were exactly. basically they were willing to do you know you know, there was graphic violence also. They were in dr- sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It was... That's the, all it was. That's actually how I have my underground books... Categorized? Kind of put to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see do. how you could do that. And, like, yeah. it's funny. I got... I just was going through my bizarre sexes, and I found the Bill Griffith issue. How many issues of that are there altogether, do you know? Ten. 
Yeah. Ten. Yeah. Oh, okay. None of I, none I, of them really seem work. to have a long run, except for maybe like what weirdo or. Weirdo had a long run. Um, yeah, you're kind of right. Yellow Yellow Dog did. The Yellow Dog, the first twelve issues were uh, were newspapers. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Um, but that yeah, cover most... I was talking about is number five. I just pulled up my cover images here. That one I was talking about with the women is number five. Yeah, I actually just picked that one up, and I was—is it regular size or is it magazine size? Um, honestly, I can't. Remember. I think it's regular size. Yeah, but because I, I'm not. I got the regular size. I think I'm not sure if there's an other size or not, but the one I got is uh, the kitchen sink version. Yeah, and it's like fourth printing, and well, I was really disappointed. Thing. That's another yeah. thing about all these comics is there are so many printed. They've been you know in in print for so many years. That you can get, you know, classic R. Crumb, you know, Zap Number One, but it was printed in 2000, you know. Right. Exactly. The only one that I have that's that's first print is Number Six, and that one is the more magazine size rather than yeah. With the uh, with the uh, spread eagle girl with the uh, under, that's a pretty cool cover. That's a Corbin cover too, isn't it? It is. Yes, it is. Now, one thing about Bizarre Sex is I've only got five of the of the ten issues, but, I, you know, that's half of them. So I'm going to have to actually work on uh, finding the rest. But in number nine, I think it was number nine, was the first appearance of uh, Omaha, the, Omaha cat the Cat Dancer, which right. was a series that I went on to collect when she got her which own book. Which became very valuable. and I loved that series and that's another one that one of these days I'm going to have to finish collecting that because it's the first one that had a really uh, cohesive story and a real complicated story to it yeah it was it was it was weird it was kind of it was soap opera-y but it it was was, a porn soap opera it was yeah it was a soft core soap opera it was it definitely was yeah but um, you know stuff like that I remember seeing stuff like that when I was a kid working at the comic shop in my early teens and you know i was such a marvel maniac i was like uh stupid you know but now i was like wow i wish i would have looked at those earlier well it's funny now i've just sort of reminded the richard corbin reminded me of something that sort of rode that line between mainstream underground and featured richard corbin which was uh 1984 comics which became oh yeah 1994 Mm -hmm. comics which were warren publication and I got my mitts on a bunch of those from Walt Hadley. Yeah. Who could have probably gotten that. arrested for <laughs> selling porn to a yeah, minor because they were yeah. harsh. Those yeah. those things were pretty raunchy. Yet they were they were newsstand. They had the Warren distribution service, you know, to to put them on regular newsstands, but they were fairly underground and in a lot of ways, and I remember those. The the thing that a lot of the stories were kind of crappy in them, but uh, one of the high points of it was uh, Mutant World, which was a Richard Corbin story, and I don't think he wrote it. I think that guy uh, is it Jan Strand, S T R N D. I think wrote. I think I've, I've heard I've heard of that name before. I think he wrote it and. Corbin Illustrated. It was a post-apocalyptic story with this big, bald, hulking, mutant, dumb character just sort of being tossed around by fate. It was great. It was just, it was a great post-apocalyptic, humorous and and messed up at the same time. 
And uh, that was how I first got into Richard Corbin was reading that stuff. And I love his his art is just very. He's been very, very cool. prolific for a long time. You think about it. It's funny. I was at uh, this one of my all-time favorite comic shops out in Oakland, California, called Doctor Comics and Mister Games, and uh, that—that's the name of this comic shop, Doctor Comics and Mister Games. <laughs> it's the most bizarre name you've ever heard, but it's an awesome comic shop. And this guy in the back, his name is Jack, like myself, and uh, I was like going through the. They had like just long box after long box of like everything else and all the superhero stuff put the one side and I'm not lying they had a good 12 to 15 long boxes of underground and like everything from the 60s up yeah and uh, he was a huge Corbin fan and um, yeah and that's the hard yeah. thing about being a Corbin fan is if you want to get it all it's going to take you a long time to track all yeah. that stuff down he I is... mean he did some work I think uh, on the Punisher a few years ago oh no way really yeah, what, like he did the Punisher, or, or he did actual I, artwork. I know, he, I know, he did uh, Luke Cage. He did uh, the series Cage. But I oh, believe... okay, yeah, I think that was uh, was that under the Max imprint, the adult mm-hmm. imprint. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, and I wow. think he did some Punisher as well. Yeah, it was really cool. And of course, yeah. he was he was also the uh, his um, comic was one of the main things featured in the heavy metal right movie yeah was what was it den or something it was based sort of it was sort of a conglomeration of a bunch of den stories from heavy metal comics and featuring the you know, voice of john candy <laughs> as den. i've never seen that movie me either really yeah. it's yeah. cheesy but it's worth seeing it's got some great moments the um i remember uh, this is a great movie memory is my dad snuck me out to see Stripes which is R-rated titties and stuff but one of the previews ahead of it was for the heavy metal movie and it was an R-rated preview and it had tits and ass and people getting uh, disintegrated by disintegrator beams and like you know the shot of an, a, a full frontal nudity of like a naked woman lying on a bed with a little tiny robot, and she's like smoking a cigarette. Like that was awesome, you know. And I was just like, "Whoa, <laughs> it's a cartoon!" <laughs> and I wanted to see it so bad. And like when I finally did get to see it, I was probably like 17 or 18, maybe even older, you know, on video cassette, and it was pretty disappointing. But now upon knowing that like half the cast of it is SCTV alumni and that the music which was considered really hard and heavy at the time is now turned to like super cheese I mean it's Spammy Hagar it's like that's the heavy metal song which is actually a great song for Sammy Hagar and it's isn't got that, working is, on is the is that the actual song heavy metal was that Sammy Hagar that was Sammy Hagar Yes, yeah. sir. I've always for years wondered who that was. Yes, now there you go. And it's got Working in the Coal Mine by Devo. It's got my favorite Dio Black Sabbath song on it, which I can't recall the Mob Rules, I believe. Oh, yeah, I was just talking about that album last week, this past week to someone. And, uh, <laughs> Actually, Jeff Leon. Jeff Leon. And there's a, there's a sequel to the heavy metal mu- movie, too, that's pretty horrible. It has one storyline, and it's... 
And it's all based on that model Julie Strain that all the heavy metal readers like to masturbate to now, I guess. <laughs> so she's nice. the main character is based on Julie Strain, so they all like that. You know, they probably all have blow up dolls and etc. <laughs> Who is she? She's she's like a model that she's basically. I think she was basically featured on a million covers for heavy metal in the 80s oh, okay. into the 90s gotcha. up till modern day you know by the by the artists who do the sort of you know they do the, the stereotype heavy metal covers that they have now that's just sort of a woman in battle gear of some sort and some sort of g-string battle gear and all airbrushed sort of painting with bulging boobs and bat- batons Bulging buttocks. Yes. <laughs> That's the way Crum likes them. Yes, mm-hmm. he likes to ride on them like a horsey. And Wait, our Crum, that's our another one. Number eight. That's yep. another one if you wanted to, like... At least with him, you could... They printed that complete Crum comics, and you could, you know, meticulously get those and actually get everything he did. But he's another one who just churns. They, they still didn't get out. They didn't get everything. Oh really? Well, you got to save yeah. something for other. Well, I mean, it's, I, I think it was wasn't because they they meant to. I think it's just there was stuff. It's because I see comics that come out that uh, I've seen some comics that have come out like on eBay and stuff, and it was like I, I have all the complete crumbs, and I was and like, yeah, it's not in there. Uh... It's like mostly most of the art crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, one of the things I was going to tell you guys, and, uh, you know, for people that are listening at home, it's probably no big deal. But it was for me is, is I actually found out in the last two weeks what the actual first comic appearances were of both Cherry Pop-Tart and Zippy the Pinhead. Ooh, what was and, it? Ooh. And um, the Zippy the Pinhead is actually, um, I, I always thought it was Tales of Toad, number two. That's the one you sent uh, me, one time. Yeah, it, it, that's what I thought it was, but it's not. It's That's technically the second appearance, and it's actually kind of the, um, it's like the modernized, what he looks like today. Right. But the, vi- the very first appearance of Zippy the Pinhead is in this comic called Real Pulp, number one. It came out in 1971 via print mint. And uh, the reason why I know that is, is um, I finally got that one. It's only a two-issue series, but I finally picked up number one, and um, I opened. They had no idea that Zippy was in there, but he looks a lot more distorted. He looks. He probably looks more like a real pinhead. He probably looks human, more um, like certainly a lot more. Yeah, he does exactly. So um, I actually built. I, I've been talking with Bill Griffith uh, via email back and forth. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, it's, you know, he's he's quite the salesman. He's very prolific that way. I mean, because uh, you can sign up and I get his um, comic strip every day. Didn't you? Didn't I send it over to you, Horny? Yeah, you told me it was. Uh, yeah. It was. Uh, and, just to and explain some... to the viewers, that's another one of my, my assumed aliases. names. Aliases is Frank Horny. <laughs> And it has nothing to do with actually with my libido necessarily, but it's another long story. But just for the yeah. people who are confused, <laughs> I probably call you Frank Horny more than I call you anything else. That's okay. 
I I understand it to be my name. <laughs> I respond to it, you know. I'm, you know, that's what differentiates me from dogs. That's why dogs only one name works for them. But with me, I'll, I'll like my head will jerk around to yeah. like almost He's, to a bunch of different jerk. names. <laughs> so, anyways, um, I asked uh, Bill Griffith, and he did verify that. Uh, it was, actually, he sent me an, an email, so I should send it over to you guys. You could see it. Um, the one image of it, but uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, you would never guess. It's just very. It's just got this picture. It's just real pulp, but it's got this chick who's like flipping upside down in outer space with a rainbow behind her. It's just this, you know, it's just. Oh, is it a rainbow? No, it's it's not a rainbow. It's a planet that's glowing red, oh. and she's in a bikini, and uh, there's a spaceship that flew past her, and the one guy has got his. He's this red alien who's like shaking his fist at her with his head hanging out the window. And then below her on this island is this giant, looks octopus-like creature fighting this guy that looks like a minotaur. It's bizarre. I Real think pulp I've seen comics that before. One. Yeah, and it's got Zippy the Pinhead in there. I was like, holy huh. shit. And then the Cherry Pop-Tart one, um, I, I had no idea until this week when I went to that comic shop called Heidi Ho Comics out in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, I picked up this comic called Funny Book Number One. And uh, it's pretty cool, but it's got the first cherry on it from, I think this is 1971, too. Hmm. Now, this, but, is, uh, this is all reminding me of another thing that we talked about, that we, we've got to get this organized in the future. Maybe we should get a whole army of Johnny Buenos out there. To, <laughs> to, that, that, you know, you get through your job the opportunity to travel around a little bit, or you end up in city to city, and you get to go to all these comic shops. You know, yeah, I seek them out. would love to have a roving, you know, roving reporter, because, you know, I mean... That's my, my main comic source is my local comic shop. And I love, I just love comic shops. And, you know, God knows whether they're going to survive in the next few years, you know. But I'd love to see them survive. So, you know, it would be good to have a roving reporter out there finding finding the good comic shops, you know. The, the right. places to go where yeah. you're going to gonna find that stuff. Or, you know, and, and the good thing about you is... Is you've got, you know, if you were to go through, I don't know what your collection's looking like now. You had a pretty massive collection, but a lot of it, like, went, didn't it? A lot of it. Well, it was all Marvel superhero. And it was Uh everything, it was everything from basically X-Men and Avengers number one all the way up to, like, present time. Oh, my God. Yeah, I sold it all and bought everything. How can you do that? Um, easy when you want to buy a house and start a family. <laughs> trust, true. trust me, Scott's I'm sure been in similar situations. Oh yeah. But I but myself. what I did was is but I I recollected everything via Marvel Masterworks. And uh, I have a whole bookshelf of just those in Marvel Essentials now and they're great. Uh-huh. Although they've put out most of the stuff that I want. There's only a couple more that I really want to pick up. Um they they put out the Marvel masterwork of basically all the Deathlock. Not a beautiful book. Um, if you ever saw that one, it's like close to three hundred pages of Deathlock. They clean up just all the 
You're talking like the original stuff from like Astonishing Tales by Buck? Yeah, Yeah. they just collected that at a beautiful hardcover bound leather. It's not leather bound, but it's um, stitch bound, the variant cover. So it's got the the gold leaf on the front, the gold leaf embossing. It's freaking primo. Those books. Yeah, I love that stuff. I've uh, I, I still lack just a couple of visions. Well, that's the beauty of these. It's like as much you know, I, I got all the comics, but I always felt like I was going to damage them. So right. And um, the masterworks are nice because you can. I mean, actually, some of the masterworks are pretty valuable too. But they're starting to reproduce them now. So probably have. I think I have like four or five magazine boxes and like eight or nine short boxes. But most of it, just about um, underground. It's everything but superhero stuff. Quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff you know your underground stuff, so you could pretty much, you know, look at go into a comic shop and know what it would be good for. You know, whether it would be good for yeah. the DC I guy mean, or there's... the Marvel guy or the underground guy. And what what happened with super superhero comics? And Jack. Well... I think it just got to a point, you know, I'm married to an artist too. So, you know, the differentiation between illustration versus artistry. Although when I was talking about that with this girl, it, uh, uh, I was with this girl, Mary, Mary the, from uh, the comic shop, Mary from the comic shop at Heidi Ho. I got there about 11 o'clock. <laughs> I swear, whatever they're paying her, they should pay her twice as much. Um, the people, I mean, she's like, they're in Santa Monica, but I mean, it's like the main drag at Santa Monica Boulevard in Santa Monica, California. You know, it's a beach town and all that. And some of the people that were walking in that store, I was like, holy crap. Just going to tax like, your patience to the bitter end? To the bitter end. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because the, their undergrounds, they had in like in the back behind the small glass counter. And they were like in wood boxes. They were like these old, old wood boxes. Um, and she had there was like five boxes of them, and none of them were priced. So she was like trying to get a hold of her boss. I think his name was Mark. And uh, you know, I was going through the books, and we we're just hanging out while she's like trying to keep an eye on the store. There was like this old lady that bought all these plastic Disney small statuettes that they had priced for a buck a piece. And there was like 20 of them. And this lady was like, which one's this from? Which movie's this one from? And this poor girl is like answering her every time. It's like, this is Timba from The Lion King. Well, which one's this from? This poor freaking girl dealing with this old crazy lady. Crazy uh, lady bought them all, too. It was amazing. Well, that's good. But then she but wanted, usually she they would don't. have had to for me to put up with shit like that. She would have had but, to have bought them. But then she was, the crazy lady was asking her to, like, wrap them all up in paper and stuff like that for her. And she's like, are you freaking? They're plastic. Give me a break. <laughs> Can so you anyway, wad them all but, up in a big ball and put a bow on it for me? Pretty much. That was pretty much it. There was one guy that walked in there, and he was like, um, he oh, he was like Fez from uh, that seventy show. That seventy show. show? He's, he's like, hello, I'd like to buy. Uh, who is the manager here? And she's like, um, there's the owner, but he's. A, I like he, he like had a job application. He was like trying to like apply for a job there, and they're like, look, it's not really that kind of place. And he was like insistent and wanted a business card and the the manager's phone number and stuff. It's like all within the first five minutes to the ten minutes I was there. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably the world's—he's probably the world's greatest comic artist. 
<laughs> and he's just come to America, and he's like, I'll go to this comic shop. That's where I'll go. I'll get a job there. And they're just like, get out of here, you fucking freak. And he's like, oh, this was a, they opened at 11 o'clock. This was like at like 12 o'clock on a Monday. Oh, I mean, awesome. <laughs> just the way to start your week out. I'm sure there's a lot of people who work retail who are listening right now who can wince along with all of this. Yeah, as a as a retail veteran, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, those those then, are the weeks you're just. And like, then the it. really creepy guy who looks like he's like, you know, like a hamburger, sort of a happy meal with like the you know, <laughs> half head of gray hair. He's just got like the one lazy eye. He's like really skinny and old. He's like walking around. Like waddling around the aisles, it was just bizarre. Yeah, <laughs> just coming in to get not, get out from the outside for a little while. Oh, yeah. it's a comic shop. <laughs> there's, anyways, a, there's a lady Mary knocking I... stuff off the shelf. My doctor says I have to take a laxative. Not in my store, you don't. <laughs> You've got charisma. <laughs> Dave, my kids will actually kill me if. If you don't sign a few things for them, that 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 just well, half of our audience is laughing their asses off the other half. Going, what the fuck are they talking about? It's the great David Lee Roth, kids. Yep. Go out there yeah. and whatever you think of Van Halen and David Lee Roth, his videos are just the most awesome shit ever. Oh, yeah. That's the you. thing is, you know, until the video, the, the actual song starts, I love those videos. <laughs> it's when the song starts, I'm like, well, it's time to change the channel. But except... Just a Jiggle God damn, I love that song. I love that song. <laughs> Story of your life. Yep. It's just because you identify <laughs> with it so much. <laughs> just I think about it when I walk alone in the streets of Athens, Georgia. <laughs> so anyways, getting back to Mary, we had a pretty good conversation. I was about superheroes and all that and she was actually a really cool chick was very knowledgeable about uh, superhero books both uh, golden age and silver age and um, I agree with her I think that um, comic books these days are certainly much more artistic than they were even 10 12 years ago you know they've gotten much more in that which is why it's taken them so long to put them out you know they've decompressed the storylines but at least they've with the quality of paper, they've really prettied up the uh, the art. Although, I don't understand. Sometimes, like some of these Avengers titles, I put these guys on there just because they can get stuff done every month, and they just hack through it sometimes. I mean, I mean, I, I, I met Koi Fam before, and he's a nice guy and all, but some of his stuff, I'm just like, he's just hacking through it, it seems like. But I hate to say anything to be critical of anybody because I can't draw if my life depended on it but certainly can't criti- be criticized it enough that's for sure that's what but, we're here um, for that's what we're yeah. here for but I mean as far as a transformation from superhero into alternative I think it was really just the well yeah I think as I've gotten older and more mature I mean I, I still love the Marvel Age stuff um, especially the 60s and 70s stuff 
but um, you know, I've read it all too, and I've kind of gotten as far as I think I could with it. I certainly enjoy the illustrative portion of uh, of DC stuff with with Infantino and all the stuff that he did back in the sixties. So it was more of a maturation process rather than just looking at modern stuff and going, ah, oh, this is all shit and I can't read it kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, listen, it's, it's, it's funny you say that because um, I was really on board with all the stuff that Bendis has been doing through the years. I loved his Daredevil work mm-hmm. and um, all his other noir stuff that he did. Alias is a great title. Yes, that was great. But, um, you know... I was on board for Civil. I was on board for Avengers Disassembled, and I was on board for Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, really, kind of soured on. Um, although he didn't write Civil War, he uh, he did everything leading up to Civil War, but he didn't write Civil War. Mm-hmm. But um, the whole, what was the last thing with the scrolls there? Secret um, Invasion. Yeah, that thing. I. It had so much potential, and it just was such a letdown for me, you know? It's just almost like... It was uh, a letdown for everybody, dude. It really was. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's to the point where I actually took all my all those books and all my Civil War books, and they're up on eBay. It expired tomorrow night for anyone who's listening. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this will be on long after they're done, unfortunately. I know, for I know. Them. But yeah, I mean, I had like a hundred. I have a hundred seven Civil War books. It's just running out of space, and I was just like, you know what? Everything that was cool about it, they reversed. I mean, Spider-Man revealing his identity was an awesome stroke. Yes, it, it was. was a really, it was a really nice. The, the way they brought it along, the story didn't feel forced. Everything that they did about it, you know, I mean, how things. It was all folded in beautifully with you know the the disassembled and the mighty Avengers, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just, and then he just everything just went just like ah, it's all a dream. We're just gonna that, that didn't happen. Yeah. That didn't happen. I was so disappointed in that it, because uh, on two levels. On one level, the the biggest disappointment. I'm disappointed in myself because I bought it. You know, I bought into the whole thing you know that when when he revealed his identity and he became you know a a card carrying member of the avengers and he was accepted by all the other heroes and they all suddenly knew his identity and he was living in stark tower to me it was like finally spider-man is finally getting awesome you know it's like he he's and he got an awesome costume too yeah i mean he was part of the the bigger picture now he instead of being this loner kid off on his own getting ragged on by the Daily Bugle every single issue. Suddenly he was, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, he was a real superhero. You know, he was part of the real guys. You know, he was an Avenger and all that. Right. Then he outs his identity and he's working for time. I just felt like wow, these stories have really ramped up. This is an awesome time to be reading Spider-Man. And I should have fucking known, man. I mean, there should have, you know, my, my spider sense should have been going off, going, yep, something's going to happen, and they're going to they're gonna do something to fuck it all up. And sure enough, you know, so that was one measure of disappointment. But, you know, it was just... I, I, that seems I, I, to be I, something that a lot of people sort of share these mm-hmm. days. And I don't know a lot about it, because I was gone long before that. Right. And, and But, you know, just hearing people and 
hearing them talk about it. We've been on that that, that show the other day. All those people are Spider-Man enthusiasts, and right, yeah, that seemed to piss off a lot of piss off and divide a lot of people. Well, they were all pissed off about, and I and I really don't want to divert us too much to being you know another show ranting and railing about one more day. But that was really yeah. more about one more day, which is a whole different thing. But see, one more day. Um, was more about dissolving Spider-Man's marriage through an absolutely right. ridiculous, ridiculous and insulting machination. But you know, when it did that, this storyline I'm talking about, and Jack's talking about, of of Spider-Man, you know, revealing his secret identity and and Spider-Man just being at suddenly an awesome point in his life, right? Was that was shit canned along with it? Because uh-huh. basically, what happened with One More Day, and, and I'm not getting into this argument with people again. I don't give a shit what justification people want to give. What happened to Spider-Man is they fucking retcon the last 20 years. You can exactly. make all you can say all the bullshit you want. Oh, all they did was take away the marriage. Everything else still happened. The fuck it didn't. If he never got married, then the last 20 years never fucking yeah. happened. Hey, trust me, man. We know how alternate alternate right. timelines work by now. Exactly. We better or at least have as much idea about it as they do. Right. So and to me that was the other shame. That was the other thing that was such a shame is you know that like I say it to me and I know a lot of people weren't cool with it. A lot of people you know, I haven't bought anything since. Yeah, me either. Yeah. I I just is like I I was out of Spider-Man for a long time and I I I mean I always kept abreast of what was going on but you know, he went and got like the new skin and all that, and I was like, uh. "When when he joined the Avengers, that's what brought me back." That's to what Spider-Man. brought me back to Spider-Man yeah. too. For the first time in a long time, I, I I can't remember what exact issue it was, but it was the one where Aunt May's house had been destroyed, it burned down or something, and it was the very next issue was the one I picked up where where basically Tony took them in. He took right. Peter and MJ and Aunt May, and they all went to live in Avengers Tower. Like around I, 520 or 26 or something, something like, like that. Something like that, yeah. And I just happened to – I don't even know why I picked it up. I don't know if somebody clued me in or I was just bored and flipping through shit on the stands or what. And it was Ron Garney was doing the art yeah. too, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. He's a hell of a – no, no, no. Was it? He did yeah. some of it. Yeah, he did some of it, but those particular issues was it Ron Garney at that point? You could you're probably right, but for some reason I'm thinking of uh of uh uh oh, very fuck what very, is that dude's name that did he did Thor right as Thor petered out the first Jergens? time. No Dan Jergens? No the the artist. Um shit, I can't think of his Oh name. um It's like D Yeah something. Um, oh shit. <laughs> it's right on the tip of my brain, and I can't. He does beautiful, beautiful women like yeah, I know you're talking like about microscopic waist and huge tits, and I can't think of his name. Right. He he did he did Diodato Diodato. That's his yeah, name. Mike Diodato. Yeah, yeah. I want to say he was working on it, but I I could be completely wrong. Though. Yeah, but yeah, Ron Garney did come. Man, he's a hell of an artist. I really like him. Yeah, he did a long run on Silver Surfer that was really good. Oh wow! Do you know what numbers those like ballpark where that what that? Um, yeah, um, somewhere in the, I think from like eighties and nineties all the way like one ten, one twenty. It was wow. really weird. It, like <laughs> it was it was very Mobius like the way he drew him. That's weird. 
Well, there was that Mobius Silver Surfer miniseries written by Stan Lee. That's right. right. Yeah. Well, see, now you make me feel bad because not long ago I had a I had a chance to pick up like this massive run of Silver Surfer for like next to nothing, and I passed it up simply because it was the Silver Surfer, and I was like, man, eh, fuck the Silver Surfer. I just I've never cared for that character very much. But now knowing Ron Carney worked on it, I was like, shit, now I wish I'd picked it up. You know? Did you guys, did you see that uh, picture? Yeah. I th- I'm thinking that's right in the wheelhouse of issues that I passed up. To. It was a really weird storyline. Like Alicia Masters has like this latent talent and becomes like a superhero alien. Was she still blind though? Yeah. That's weird. It was weird. That is really weird. Well, yeah, I was surprised to find out there was... What the hell did I read not long ago? It was something... It was a miniseries that had the FF, Alicia, Silver... So maybe it was the beginning of that Galactus Devourer mini. I can't remember, but it was something. And they were boyfriend and girlfriend in that. And I was like, all right, now I realize that I'm like years out of touch with the Fantastic Four, but when the fuck did this happen? And I was just lost. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah. I uh, haven't really read the... I, I was reading the Fantastic Four when Byrne was doing it. Right. <laughs> right. I yeah. remember, you know, There's... like the last one I remember buying was one of those ones where it was... Like where they were in the negative zone for a while, and they printed one sideways and one backwards. Yeah, that was over twenty years ago. Actually, the latest issue of Back Issue, number thirty-eight, has got a whole thing on John Byrne. Yeah, is that the the one with the uh, the thing on the cover? Yeah, Norman Rockwell style. Yeah, I love that. I haven't read it yet. I'm I'm behind. I'm still reading number uh, number thirty five right now. So that tells you how far behind I am. But uh, are you a subscriber to uh, Back Issue Magazine? I am. If you look in number thirty five, the article I'm reading right now Mm -hmm. is one that talks about when they um, remember when they revamped. Luthor and Brainiac back in like the mid 80s. Yeah, I read I that. that. That's written. That article is written by Michael Bailey, who's my co-host on Back to the Bins and uh, Tales of the Justice Society of America. Oh, yeah. Now, I, ha- I haven't read 36 or 37 yet, but uh, here's, a, here's a kick in the rear for you. I actually got one of my uh, sketches put into uh, Alter Ego magazine. Oh, sweet. It's uh, issue number 90. It's got have yourself a Mary Marshall Marving Society Christmas. <laughs> That's awesome. What, what's the cover on that one? It's got all the pictures. It's got Thor, Captain America, and Spider-Man drawn by uh, Jack Kirby. I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that one. I, I don't get Alter Ego just because that one's a little bit more Golden Age heavy for me. It is, and I actually just told the guys I'm done, but on page 12, there's this huge article on Dick Ayers. And um, I had him a couple of years ago. I bought a sketch off of him, um, and it's a really nice ink uh, sketch he did of uh, Sergeant Fury, but he did it with the uh, – it's got the head of Jack Kirby. And <laughs> his wife pointed it out to him after he did it. I watched him do the whole thing, and it was like – it's kind of weird because he's like really old now and kind of shaky. And um, – some of the stuff that he's been doing, like the the Ghost Rider or the Knight Rider stuff, when he colors it, it looks pretty. Uh, 
It looks like a, a little kid did it. That's how bad it looks. But this one, he just kind of channeled Jack Kirby. And it may have been because he was thinking about September 11th. It was actually the day before, even though he titled it on September 11th. But uh, it's just this really awesome ink, pen and ink sketch that he did uh, for me. And uh, I sent it over to Roy Thomas, and he eventually used it. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah, there's a recent back issue of Alter Ego that I'm trying to track down on the cheap. It's I don't know what number it is, but it's the one. The cover of it is a is a redo by um, I'm pretty sure it's Rich Buckler, and it's Superman and Captain Marvel beating the shit out of each other. And it's a redo from the cover of one of those. Oh yeah, giant I saw collector's that. editions. Yeah, I think I think they have one at my comic shop actually. Sweet. So. Can try and look for it. There's the latest one has got um, it's an all Shazam issue. And this is like that's pretty much it for me. I mean, <laughs> you well, know what? There a he, movie coming out, so maybe that's why they're. Yeah, no, it's that just that they, it's been flying for oh, twenty. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it's ever going to happen. They've this alter ego is all and and you know what it is. Roy Thomas. He was a lot when he first started like coming back with his fanzine. He always had that. He always did work with the Shazam guys, right? The, Fawcett, the Fawcett guys, and they've always had their own section in the back. Oh, okay. Right. Someday, actually, someday, I'd love to start reading that stuff. A lot of people say that that was actually better than Superman back in the in the forties. I've read a lot of it, and uh, I have trouble putting my mind in the right place for that. I mean, I can read it. And enjoy it in very small doses before it starts to feel really, um, I don't know, just really juvenile. You know cheesy. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not even it? so much cheesy as that, you know, I can read like, say, like 50s, you know, I can read like Superboy because I loved Superboy as a kid. And I can read Superboy and I can read Superman and I can read a shitload of it and it's really cheesy and, you know, vast leaps in logic and it doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. But it's just a whole hell of a lot of fun, and I get a big kick out of it. Whereas the Captain Marvel stuff is similar to that, but to at least to me, it seems like it was deliberately written right to the kids and intended to be just really. It's almost like Disney, you know. If you if you ever read any Disney comics, there's just not a lot of meat to it yeah you know what i mean whereas like the Superboy or the superman stories they might have been silly silver agey stuff but at least there was something there to to latch on to there was there was a story and i don't get that from the other stuff from the captain marvel stuff and i i I really think captain marvel survived a lot on one being pretty much a one-trick pony, which was he was wished fulfillment for kids. You know, with one magic word, he turned from a powerless child into the strongest fucking guy out there, you know? And I think that there was just, you know, a lot of mileage in that for for a kid. But then when you get older, I think it's harder to look back on that and, and really be able to put yourself back. Well, they had the, the whole Marvel family, too, though. Right, yeah. Mary Marvel. That's, that's what I remember about it from when I was a kid and I would read it as was when I was a little kid before, you know, when girls were icky, for some reason Mary Marvel was still 
Wow, just wow, wow. Hot. <laughs> Mary Marvel and the Black Canary for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. When I was a little kid, I just recognized both of them as... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was always partial to Zaytana. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, so is George Perez, because supposedly the... Uh, or Perez, rather... The the wife he married supposedly is like a dead ringer for uh, for Zaytana. If I've got maybe do I have the right person in mind? Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong person. George Perez or Zaytana? Well, no, Zaytana is the right person. But now that I think about it, I think he's he's married to a magician. But maybe I'm thinking of somebody else You're that actually, your magicians all mixed up. Yeah, somebody else that that married a woman that actually looks like Zaytana. Maybe that's actually. Well, if somebody out there well, knows, write gosh, us. I don't know. I don't know my. I don't. I don't have that story straight. But anyway, but you know, I, I think that that's why Captain Marvel has had such a hard time coming back in the comics and and sticking around for very long with his own book. Is I think other people have had that same problem because every time they bring him back, it's like they're 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 trying to recapture the old feel of, you know, the old magic from the fifties. And I, didn't I just, Jeff, didn't, didn't somebody just do him recently? Like Jeff Smith or somebody like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Michael Bailey gave me those four issues. It was uh Shazam and the monster society of evil. Yeah. And he's like, uh, here, you know, your kid might like this. He goes, I, I couldn't stand it. And he didn't like it. And I didn't read it, but I gave it over to Logan, uh, my youngest, and he's nine. And man, he tore through that shit. He loved it. So there's something there that appeals to a child. But, you know, I mean, I think that's great. I think that's awesome. I love to see comics that, that a kid can just rip right into and really enjoy. But on the on the flip side, I love Captain Marvel. I, I love the character. I love the ideal. And I just wish that one time somebody would bring that character back and say, you know... I acknowledge the 50s stuff. It was great in its day. However, I want to do something different. I want to I want to give a modern interpretation to this character and kind of bring him into the fucking 21st century. And I think Byrne was going to do that with, with the stuff that he was going to do. And then he never got his opportunity. And, and every time they bring that character back, they do the same fucking thing. And it'll last, you know, a couple of years and then it disappears again. And it's just a well, shame because he could be a great character bring, again. Bring him into the 21st century. But it's dangerous to say that because a lot of people would interpret that as to make him dark and violent. Or, no, no, no. Not what I mean. Not what I mean right. at all. I just – I simply mean – you know, stop writing him to be uh, the big bad cheese. Yeah, yeah. Stop writing him to be cheesy. Stop writing him to be. That's his nickname. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know, but it's just. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't by any stretch mean dark and gritty. I just simply mean, you know, for one thing, don't half-ass it. He's supposed to belong in the DCU and stand alongside guys like Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and these. So bring him in. You know, stop putting him off in a corner and, and having him be like, you know, like the, the silly, embarrassing cousin or something, bring him in and make him a fully established or Marvel version of the century. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a perfect analogy. Yeah. Cause even when he was briefly in like the justice league back in the eighties, he was still, he was almost, I don't even know the, the word to use. Not, not like, 
not like retarded, but like um, slow. Yeah, slow. Yeah, like he was just kind of like, sort of like the tick or something. Yeah, almost. And I think what they see, I think that what they were trying to do is that you know, in his head, in his mind, he's a child. So I think they were trying to portray a childlike innocence and a childlike uh, mentality. Yeah. However, you know, there's a way that you can do that. You can do the child in a man's body story, but without making him come across like he's a friggin' moron. Well, and that's, that's the movie Big. That's why the movie Big worked, you know, because, right. yeah. because a, the thing about a child is, you know... I mean, people are always saying things about kids like, I'm surprised at how, how mature that kid sounds and stuff. But kids kids are like that at that age. They, if they're, what they lack in maturity, they make up for in being able to ape maturity and just sort, right. of, and sort of fit in sometimes. So a kid in an adult's body would still be, you know, he wouldn't be acting like a, he would maybe sometimes if you caught him off guard. But I almost got this whole impression that, like, Billy Batson went into some sort of limbo. You know that sh- that, that like, Captain like Marvel Jones. was like a totally like a totally <laughs> different person that might right. have had. Now, don't I remember? Weren't there like? Is this something that my fevered childhood mind made up? But weren't there points where like? Captain Marvel would be doing something and Billy Bat he would be talking to Billy Batson who would be this sort of weird what you're probably thinking of is the other Captain Marvel Marvel's Captain Marvel did that because he had the negabands oh, right. and they would actually switch shit. places you're right you're right and and Rick would be a disembodied yeah like head head or whatever in another what was it right. like the negative zone or something he was in the negative zone yeah and I like that interpretation because, you know, my my big thing, the big influence for me with Captain Marvel, the reason that made me really a fan of Captain Marvel was the Shazam t- TV show. When we and were that kids. was that I was an adult that. Captain Marvel. He was right. when, when he lectured you at the end of it. It was an adult saying, "Now, kids, blah blah blah." You know exactly. And and I wish that they would take that that tact with the comics in the sense that. When Billy says the word and he becomes Captain Marvel, suddenly Billy's gone. And the only time I can ever remember feeling like Billy's like Billy not was here anymore, <laughs> you know, every once in a while there'd be a moment where 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 Captain Marvel and Mentor would share screen time, and Mentor would say something to Captain Marvel, and Captain Marvel would respond to let you know that Billy was in there. You know, he he was part of Cap's psychological makeup or whatever, but he wasn't the child in a man's body story. I'm right. I really wish they'd let that go and just make it to where they are two distinct beings. Yes. That when Billy changes, he becomes Captain Marvel, and that's it. Captain Marvel is a fully formed, yeah, sort of like sort of like Thor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and why they don't take that tact, I, I don't know. But I think by by trying to hang on to that child in a man's body thing, I think they just never do that character service. He he then he becomes uh, an idiot, you know, or, or written that way. He just comes off that way in the way that they they write him and try to portray him. Isn't the the main the main villain like a hypnotizing glowworm or something like that? <laughs> yeah, that's with yeah, a, that's with a, profe- with a graduation cap. And right. Glasses. Yeah. 
Well, that's that's the other problem with Cap is, you know, again, he's got the same problem that Superman has is that he's got a, for the most part, a seriously lame rogues gallery. And they never seem to either update it very much or really bring in new blood. You know, it's like he's, you know, Superman's constantly fighting for the most part. The same fucking guys over and over and over again. And they don't really bring in a lot of new blood or at least not a lot of them that stick. And Cap's got the same problem. You know, he's got Dr. Savannah. He's got Miss, you know, Mr. Mind, the little worm guy and one or two others. And that's it. And he fights these same guys over and over again. So, you know, bring in some new blood, give him, give him some different characters to fight. And you know what they say, superheroes only as good as his rogues gallery. Exactly. Exactly. And when you've got a sorry one, you can have the greatest character in the world, like Superman or like Captain Marvel. But yeah, exactly. When you who do when they have right. to counter them? Yeah, yeah. That, it makes them look weak. You know, when Super, Superman is fighting guys like, you know, Toy Man or the Prankster, it makes him look like a chump. You know? <laughs> Doesn't it? Am I wrong? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really funny because the last like half hour of listening to you guys talk has made me really think about like why I stopped with the Marvel and DC superheroes and, and stuff like that. And it was sort of like when you were given Jack reasons, I, I, cause I, I thought about that. I, I, I think about like, ah, maybe I went beyond cause when, when we were getting superhero stuff, I, I really got into like the Frank Miller daredevils and stuff, but I never right. dropped the other stuff. I know. Ne- and I, I never lost interest in it of the Spider-Man. And I remember, going through some of those superhero comics through some pretty bad artwork or storylines or whatever but I think Mm -hmm. all that happened I think it was almost more of a practical thing with me is is that time period where um, I left Carthage and went to college I didn't have access to a comic shop for, for a few years and when I did it was sporadic and I lost touch with a lot of that right. stuff. Um, well, for, a lot of it. There's a lot of bad art. There's a lot of bad artwork, and I think a lot of the was done by a lot of the underground artists at the time. Quite honestly. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think what happened is when I started getting to a comic shop regularly, all that superhero stuff, the the underground and the alternative stuff, was just way easier to just sort of pick up on and hop in on and that's what happened is I'd start getting that stuff because I could just grab stuff that was just one issue of stuff instead of having to catch up with all these weird storylines and I I miss that early 90s crazy you know five different covers phase and it just made it yeah. harder for me to, to catch up and to try to figure out what the hell was going on and I just didn't have the time or money to do it you know yeah, it was. I mean, some of it was good. Some of it, like you know, as great an artist as he was, he's in Will's Passios and and uh, the Silvestris. All their stuff is like, it's like almost overly detailed with like stray lines. You know, yep. It's really, really made it kind of mushy and muddy. It's for me, anyways. I thought Portasio was pretty good for for a little while, especially when he was actor stuff. But like the when the X-Men rebooted, all that X-Men stuff that Jim Lee did, him and Sylvester, though, way, way too, 
busy and muddy. And uh, even you know, even the Claremont stuff, to me, that's what – he never finished the storyline, you know? Right. Just, as far as I could tell with the Claremont stuff, I mean, he just got a little too too many – this is like he had a – once he kind of hit the 90s, even – I don't know, even – I like some of the stuff he did and some of the stuff he was trying with the X-Men, but I think he was just on it for so long. Mm -hmm. This is like, he always said he had this elaborate scheme and I'm sure he did, but this is like so many new characters and villains and mutants. I mean, that's, that was one of the first orders of business Quesada had when he took over as editor in chief was to like kill off most of the mutants because there was so many in his universe. Right. You know? But um, I think as time wore on, and especially when we got into the 90s and all, I think his ultimate, the way he really was handling the X-Men, even from his earliest days, was that he threw a lot of shit against the wall just to see what would stick. And that was what he would run with. And I think as time wore on, that game plan became just more and more apparent over time to a point to where people caught on and and just got a little tired of it cuz like you say you know so much stuff did stick and then a lot of things that really didn't stick but that he stuck with you know just started to pollute the oh, yeah, yeah, you, you had you had hellions you had acolytes you had you know all you had the marauders this is like group after group after group there was one of them that was uh meant they were like Christian based and they're coming after Nightcrawlers like each character of the X-Men had their own personal at the face against you know <laughs> you're right like, Christ you know <laughs> just sort of the opposite of Superman yeah yeah exactly I mean if they could have just afforded a couple of the Superman faced many like super team it sure doesn't seem that no, way. No, it doesn't seem that way. Off the top of my head, the only thing I can think of would be something like the Superman Revenge Squad. Most of them were single guys, and most of them seemed to be like the mad scientist or the silly. Wouldn't make more sense for him? I mean, he always seems to get duped anyways. I mean, if he's got two <laughs> or three people he's got to keep track of, he gets much more distracted and easier. hmm You know? Yeah. yeah Maybe but- it's... It's too easy to do, you know. It's, it's it seems like a perfectly obvious thing to me, as far as groups go, you know. See, I I would like to see him get of I I would like to see Superman's arch foe shift away from guys like Lex Luthor, like the like the evil scientist guy, like the guys that are trying to beat him through brain power, you know, the old brain versus brawn thing. Right. I I would rather see him get a super villain an arch villain i mean that is more like captain marvel's because captain marvel's arch villain at least to my mind i I know to a lot of people it would be dr savannah who's another you know mad scientist but to me his arch villain is more black adam who is basically just the evil version of captain marvel so i would like superman's new arch villain to be an evil Superman. And I'm not talking like General Zod, because I think that's really overdone at this point. Well, that's bizarro, though, in a way. Yeah, but he's like, he's like the idiot Superman. You know, I'm talking somebody who's... <laughs> the, the scenario I'd really like to see is this guy comes to Earth, and maybe he's like, say, like a Daxamite, because Daxamites 
are basically like Superman, but they're even tougher than, than Kryptonians are. This guy comes, he's the new flavor of the, of the week for, for earth or metropolis or whatever. He right. become he basically becomes the, the new guy and shows Superman up and, and everybody loves him and everything. But over time he starts to show his true colors and you realize that he's actually a bad guy. And so he's almost like, like, a, a super Superman, you know, it's like superior man, but he's stronger, tougher, more tenacious. Super, super duper man. Yeah. And super <laughs> duper pooper man. <laughs> but when, when he turns, that's when it's like the, Oh shit moment, because now you've got somebody who's even more powerful than Superman that now he's a bad guy you know and now they've got yeah. a they've got to square off for yeah. or earth you know or well, whatever like the, I don't know. now he's like the antichrist or something you know it's yeah, like the antichrist exactly. wins. and that's the thing that's about that's why super that's where that's why i think it sucks for the superheroes going dark and gritty and realistic is superheroes are are guys in tights so you should have them having not gritty realistic stories but these stories like based on mythologies and stuff right and i was thinking about this the other day as i was um it wasn't the other day it must have been like a month ago where we were talking somewhere about um the rick veitch brat pack comics yeah and i started thinking about those in the whole maxi mortal series and now that I start thinking about it, I think it was Rick Veitch's whole treatise on why it's a bad idea to make. I think that's what Brat Pack especially was. It was sort of a parody of how everybody's taken all these superheroes and made them, you know, drug addicts and and just generally did, degraded. Did you ever read The Boys? No. Did you ever read The Boys? I've been meaning to. I've heard really good things about that, but no, I haven't. You know what? I was actually, I just cleared them out. I have like, the. F- I, I stopped buying it a couple months ago because after a while it just got kind of old. I was going to put them up on eBay, but if you guys are interested, I could pass them on to you to, to read. I'd um, like to read it because I've heard good things about it. It's good, I've but it's just. I've never heard of it. It's Garth uh, Ennis, right? Yeah, it's all yes, Garth. Yeah, I loved his Punisher stuff, so I'm I'd, I'm open minded to it. But yeah, on this on the flip side, though, I'm with Chris that I, I think there's been just a little bit too much of that. You know, let's let's break them down. Let's analyze. You know, let's show the the chips in you know the chinks rather in in like Superman's armor type of thing. And those kind of stories really bother me because. Oh. It's it's funny because what happens at the end of the whole Maxi Mortal thing is the character that Superman was based on at one point he just sort of breaks into the state where he's just an idea and right. all these horrible you know the the degraded version of Batman who's been molesting Robin and made him into a drug addict and you know the Wonder Woman who's collects men's um, ball sacks in her in her little pouch, you know, after she defeats him and stuff. He comes back and just, like, like destroys them and reabsorbs them, you know. And, you know, pulls them back more into the mythological state, you know. Because that's what those stories were meant, meant to do. They were meant to be, like, a, a platform to discuss moral issues and, 
you know, the same thing that myths and, and legends and and religions right. even discuss. You know, that's what superheroes are there to discuss, not to be as realistic as possible. See, I think that there's a place in in the culture of comics or, or whatever for stories like, say, like Dark Knight. Or, well, and, that's The Punisher is really sort of was you know, the punish, for that. Yeah, The Punisher or The Killing Joke or, you know, any of these dark... I, I think any character to a certain degree is open game for these types of stories. But the one that I wish that DC would be as, as adamant about protecting and going after those that try to take cheap shots or whatever, or try to do satires or, or whatever, as they were like in the forties when they went after like wonder man and captain, captain Marvel and stuff like that. Or, or like Disney goes after people that, you know, try to put out t-shirts of Mickey Mouse flipping people off. You know, I wish that DC was that adamant about protecting Superman because I bought one of those t-shirts with Johnny Bueno in Seattle, Washington. (laughs) You know, it's not just because I'm, I'm such a fan of the character or whatever. I I just, all right, let me get sappy for a moment, but I really believe this. I, I think that they're, especially in modern times, there needs to be certain things that remain pure, that remain, um, you know, pillars of virtue. And Superman is that. I mean, why can't Superman just be taken at face value of he's, he's the nice guy with the superpowers that's doing the right thing for the right reasons. And that's all there is. There aren't any chinks in the armor. He's not some deeply disturbed psychological freak. That's actually wants to, <laughs> you know, anally rape Lois Lane or, you know, screw little boys. Did that or happen? <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just saying that why, uh. when, when there's, when there's all these other characters out there, like say Batman, that I think does lend himself to an examination of what the fuck is wrong with this guy. Why do you take the, the, the virtuous one? Why take Superman and sully him up? Why can't you say, you know what? I can't. I can't find anything wrong with this guy. He's does, got enough power. Do they ever do much stuff with Superman, like out in outer space? They should make him like what they do with a lot of the, uh, like Marvel has really put together um, a nice storyline with their cosmic universe. They've brought together and they've really kind of tied all the different planets and galaxies and different races together. Mm-hmm. That's and, like the um, Green Lantern stuff in DC is yes, more like that, right. isn't it? Right. Yeah, and much. I mean, I could see Superman doing like the Silver Surfer did for a while, going from planet to planet and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, being I know, a goodwill I mean, ambassador for Earth would be a, a good job yeah. for Superman, you know, be, but he would be a good, even though he's not actually an Earthling. He would right. still be. He would still be pretty much one of the only Earthlings capable of inner. Well, it's like Hillary Clinton. I mean, travel. she's not really an American, but she represents us. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's all you got to do to get to. Yeah, just that's all you got to do to get Scott going is compare Superman to Hillary Clinton in some manner. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! What are you well, trying I mean, to you know, do? The, the, oh, the, the, the it's current... just stream of consciousness. That just, just comes to me. I can't. Well, you know, the it. current occupant of the White House isn't an American either. But you know, so where, where well. do you want? But um, <laughs> grumble, grumble. But anyway, 
Um, but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, they have done that a couple of times, you know, because there was the uh, the exile storyline where Superman actually took himself, you know, out of the out of the game on Earth for a while and went off on a on a cosmic odyssey, if you will, where he kind of wandered around and, and encountered a lot of elements of the you know the well, DC it? universe, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. But I don't know. For me, I I typically I I, I tend to always get really weirded out by the by the cosmic stuff in both DC and Marvel. I'm just not a big fan of it because they they typically I don't know, it always feels like they drop the ball with that stuff. They get a little too far out yeah, and a little bit well, too Well, if it's done well, it actually gives them the opportunity to introduce new elements and thing, you know, new villains exactly. who might be a mental and physical yeah. Right, you know, threat exactly. to Superman. The, the, the annihilation a... conquest was really good. Right, that was a really well done storyline. It started with the character Annihilus from the Negative Zone, mm-hmm. and they brought in the Phalanx and all these other right. cool elements. I mean, and they if just you, if you have a universe that has superheroes, you you know, you might as well acknowledge, you know, you you can have aliens too. It doesn't seem oh, like sure. that far out of the pale. No, and you know it was nice to have like all these cosmic storylines without all your typical Earth superheroes. There's no Avengers and, involved, and I'll say it's no... Superman is a cosmic storyline anyway, right? You know, right from his very origins anyway. So you know, well, that's what I'm saying. He should be a more cosmic character, right? In my opinion, I mean. But, uh, I mean, they've gone so far deluging everybody with this whole, you know, Green Lantern storyline and all that. I I was on board for the longest time, but uh, once they got the Blackest Night, I was just like, I'm not going to get into it. Yeah, it's funny. I I had the same exact – that's – oh, that's so weird you say that. I had the same exact thing because, uh, you know, there was all that hype and all that talk about the Sinestro Corps war. And as right. much as I just didn't give a shit anymore about Green Lantern after Hal Jordan came back, I found myself sucked in anyway and was on board and really, really enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, Blackest Night comes along and I'm right back to, like, not giving a shit again. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the the hard sell. Maybe we're just too old and jaded, you know? It's mm-hmm. just like... It's like the next big storyline. It's like we've been force-fed these for so many years. And, uh, again, that conversation with Mary earlier in the week, you know, it really kind of started with um, the three-part miniseries, A Contest of Champions, back in 82 that Marvel did. I remember that. Yeah. That was John Romita Jr.'s first artwork, did you know? The thing got the shit beat out of him. Yeah. Was, who was it? The, the Grandmaster? The Is champion. Who, the, no, but there was the Grandmaster, the oh, guy the, with the... the guys that were... That were playing in chess. Yeah, it was the Grandmaster and... Um, was it the in-betweener? It could have been the in-betweener, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember who the other guy was, but yeah, that was excellent. Chris, I think the story you're thinking about, dude, was that Marvel 2-in-1 annual where the champion came to Earth. You're yeah. right, you're right. And he was going to face off against all the heavy hitters of the Marvel U. Which one and, ended up being the boxing match? Was that Contest yeah. of Champions? No, 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 no. That's Contest of Champions 
was a three issue. It was the very first Marvel three uh, miniseries, wasn't oh, it? I know. I used yes. to have. I, I, I yeah. used to have it. If I, did, I all I remember is the first issue had like all the superheroes everybody like, falling through right. space like whoa as they right. got sucked into wherever the alter- alternate universe or other planet that yeah they were all abducted and taken to it was like a like a floating space arena or something yeah, right, and they right. just had villains against superheroes and you know what was awesome for for me for that book was that when that book came out, I had literally just decided I'm going to collect comic books, you know, and it was a DC boy, you know, all, all growing up. So, you know, of course I knew about, you know, Spider-Man and the Hulk and maybe a couple other guys, but then I get that book and it's like a fucking crash course on Marvel because everybody that was anybody was in that book, you know, I mean, they had people like fucking Shamrock and stuff that, you know, you've yeah. never seen them again. But exactly. they were in that book, and I was just like, wow. I mean, this was like, you know, the Ohatmu was in that book, you know? It's like everybody was there. So, I mean, you know, I went from not knowing shit beyond, like, Spider-Man and the Hulk to suddenly I had met everybody at one time. It was it was really cool. It was really yeah. cool. Yeah, and, you know, and, you know, things like Sasquatch where, you know, it's just yeah. like such an obscure character. That was the first time I ever saw him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's right. right, and he got to be a badass in that, yeah. that one. He fascinated me because, you know, here he was. He was a character called Sasquatch, and, of course, I knew who the legendary Sasquatch was supposed, you know, supposed to be, Bigfoot. But, yet in, down, but, you know, then in this book, he's he's like the Hulk. He, he was a regular guy that turned into Bigfoot. I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. I mean, I loved Contest of Champions. I thought that was awesome. Really? That's cool. I'm surprised they haven't collected that in a hardcover yet. Have they not? I don't think so. Oh, that's crazy, man. Yeah. It would be natural, pretty much, you would think. Yeah. A (laughs) shoe-in. Well, that other one that you're talking about um, with with the champion, it was kind of similar because in, in that story... The, 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 the thing got big... to play Rocky. It sort of played off the whole Rocky thing because he got yeah. to get like a black eye and blood coming out of the corner of his mouth and yelling for his girlfriend. And... What's What's funny is that maybe it's just because it came out at a time when we were still kids and all that and didn't really, you know, you, you weren't as uh, as jaded or what. But thinking about it now, the story is really kind of ridiculous, but it was still done in a really awesome way where, you know, this... Yeah. This elder, what was he? He was like an elder of the universe, like this immortal, who was basically just his thing was sports. He really liked sports and con- battles of contests and stuff. So he comes to I Earth, bored, beat the fuck out of each other. Yeah, he he comes to Earth Amuse and he's like, me. you know, I've I've you know observed your planet and I've decided that boxing is the shit. You know, <laughs> so, so he pulls out like. Every heavy hitter, it was like The Thing, Colossus, Thor, the Hulk, Sasquatch, and a couple other guys. And he's like, all right, whichever one of you, I'm going to determine which one of you is the baddest motherfucker, and we're going to fight. And he discarded a couple people. Like, he took Thor out of it because right, Thor couldn't he, be separated from his hammer. He threw his hammer, and he was just, like, disqualified. He took the, the Hulk out because he didn't want to, what did he, he says something like, I refuse to fight a mindless beast or something, which I always thought was bullshit that he realized the Hulk would just mop the fucking floor with him so he's like no I'm not fighting this guy yeah. <laughs> so he fights the thing 
and it was it was great because the thing goes like what like three four rounds with him and the guy's like this is the longest anybody has ever lasted against me or something so the thing didn't win he got the shit beat out of him but it was still a great it was like a rocky that's rocky Rocky. that's rocky Rocky yeah there's no way rocky was gonna win rocky won but you know they it was a pretty much a doofy match where we're like we'll bring in this chump and I'll beat him up in the first round, and it'll be a, you know, whatever. But Rocky made it through the whole fight, and that was the, that was what counted, and it was the same same with the thing. Yeah. And he's got that same sort of palooka personality as, as Rocky did. There's actually a follow-up to that. I have it, and I still Wasn't have it. Wasn't like, Yancey Street Gang or something? Didn't they fly them up there to, like, support him from the crowd or something? Yeah, like that. that's right. Yeah, well, the the one I'm thinking of it was the issue of Marvel Team because that that book that we're talking about was a was an annual. Yeah, but then there was a regular issue. It's like number I don't know, like fifty or something, and it's just Marvel Two and One, and it says the thing, and it doesn't. You know, normally it would say like the thing and Ant Man or something, but this right. one just says the thing, and it shows him in bed on the cover. And all these superheroes are in the hallway and, and like a nurse is hollering at them to be quiet or something. And in that issue, they basically like everybody in the Marvel U drops by to like wish him well or, you know, drop off flowers or whatever. That was after he got beat up by the yeah. champion. Yeah, it was after the champion beat the <laughs> shit out of him. So the whole issue is basically him just convalescing. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Did you guys ever see... Um... What was it? The, the the one where they star the Yancey Street Gang and the Marvel no. team up? Because I thought I always one. remember the Yancey Street Gang always sort of being off screen and like something. Yeah, would, they were. Like something would bounce off his head and someone would hurl an insult from him and he's like, it's the Yancey Street Gang again, you know? Well, right. a few years ago, they revealed in an episode of the Fantastic Four that the Yancey Street, Yancey Street Gang and all those pranks was actually the Human Torch playing all those tricks on him over the years. Uh, that's no fun. Yeah, I don't think I like that. I don't know. I, I like the thought that there was actually like a whole gang of toughs of on his own friends that just yeah, give that, him shit, you know? Yeah, it, we know that you're the thing now, but uh, we remember when you were playing poker with us, you loser, and they bounce your right. beer can off his head. Right. Sort of you, like haven't, you haven't seen the movie yet, have you? Have you seen? No. You still haven't seen the movie? That was, you know, th- those movies catch a lot of shit, and somewhat deservedly so. But I tell you, the one moment I really, really liked in the first movie was Ben Grimm goes to the bar, to the local bar, and uh, he sallies up to the bar and he sits on the bar stool, and of course it breaks because he weighs, you know, like thousands of pounds, and he tumbles to the ground, and everybody starts to laugh. And the bartender gives him shit. He's like, hey, hey. He goes, you see this guy right here? He's like, you know, uh, I forget how he says he's something like, this is the only guy from, you know, the, the neighborhood that uh, ever went into outer space or something. So you give Ben Grimm his due or something to that effect. And it was it was just a great moment because he was sticking up, you know, because he was a local from, boy. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was a, local he was a boy. regular. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was awesome. I thought that was really cool. You know, here's a guy that, you know, he could have just gone over there and beat the shit out of everybody, but it's the bartender that sticks up for him. Yeah. The super. I thought that was great. That's very that really New York cool. City. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Interesting. I gotta get me back <laughs> to New York City one of these days. It's absolutely insane. 
So yeah, but, maybe uh, maybe like we can figure out something for like a New York Comic Con at some I was point just in the say, future or something like that. You know, the New York Comic Con is coming up is going to be so big. It's going to turn into what San Diego used to be. It is. Well, that, really would be, that would be cool. You see, the thing about it is, the thing about New York City is, being in New York City, the, the appeal and draw of just being in New York City and the draw of a, of a convention, I would probably be 50-50 at the convention and 50-50 wandering the streets of New York, you know? Yeah. Because guaranteed, if you're in New York City, guaranteed there's a band you want to see, no matter who you are. There's somebody playing that's. When I was at that one show, when I was at that one thing, when Dick Ayers made my thing, the Moist Boys played their last show there. Oh, wow. Yeah. I freaking had no idea. Where else are you going to see the Moist Boys but New York City? You know, the odds are. are I would love to go to New York and go basically to any comic convention because I can't remember who it was. I was talking to somebody through Facebook the other day. And telling them that I had just, you know, last weekend, uh, Mike Bailey and I went to um, a, a local Atlanta con. And he was like, oh, did you see anybody? And what he meant was guests. You know, did we meet any guests or anything? And I was like, well, it's, it wasn't that kind of a con. You know, it was it was more of, you know, you go and it's a bunch of 50 cent boxes, you know, and you're you're hunting the deals. It wasn't like, you know, going and, and there were celebrities. And he's like, oh, OK. He goes, well, we've got one of those next weekend. I've been thinking about going to. He goes, you know, and. Uh, there and he sends me the link to the thing and jesus christ they had like gene colin was gonna be there and all these yeah. like veteran and i'm like they might all wow, live near this there. Is like uh, what's that they might all live close to there too you know yeah but yeah I, you know he, to him this was like a small local nothing i I, I experienced the same thing and, i went to this thing in in new jersey and it was at a high school a freaking high school Gene Colan was there. Um, what's his name? Uh, Joe Sinnott was there. Yeah. I mean, anywhere else in the country, that's a major con. You know, you, yeah. you, you suddenly have a heavy hitter, classic artist or creator of some kind like, like Gene Colan. Let me and- tell you, a lot of those guys outside of like the wizard conventions – they get very little respect and very little love. That's sad. That's so fucking sad. It, it just, oh. I, I told you my whole story before when I was at the Big Apple Con in 2008. I was mortified about how poorly that those old guys were freaking yeah, treated. That was where you were seeing Carmine Infantino basically getting used and abused, right? Is that the. Oh, Carmine yeah. In- yeah. Infantino. Ernie, remember Erwin Hassan? An old time guy from the, the name you know, rings a bell. He did a lot of Golden Age DC stuff. He did the very first cover for uh, Alter Ego for uh, what's his name there? Roy Thomas. Yeah, Roy Thomas was there. Uh, John Romita was there, and I actually saw the two of them posing together for some pictures. But uh, I got Roy Thomas and Erwin uh, Henson or Hasten. Uh, both autographed the very first Alter Ego magazine for me. Wow. So that was kind of cool. See, I don't really have any experience in any, like, anything like that other than the, the one time I remember going to uh, an Ithacon, which granted they're small local cons anyway. You know, they're yeah, not anything Yeah, but the Ithacon major. one's pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. And, and I was like the only person there that knew who the hell Murphy Anderson was. 
Man. Here's another guy, you know, a, a legend, legend. A veteran, and yep. nobody's talking to him. You know, I'm like, what, what? What the hell? Do you not know who this guy is and what he's... I mean, as far as DC lore, I mean, he's one of the top five artists that they had in the 50s. I mean, the 60s. You had Infantino. You had uh, Gail Kane. You had Mm -hmm. Joe Kubert and Murphy Anderson. Mm -hmm. And who else was there in the 60s? Did you say say Kurt Swan? No, I didn't say Kurt Swan. Kurt Swan was the fifth one. Yeah, he kind of came along... Well, 50, and 60s. Yeah, 50, 60s, yeah. But those are the five guys. Yeah. You know, and everything was written by uh, by Julie Schwartz. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, and you know, of all those names, I'd put him in like, you know, one or two. You know what I mean? I mean, Carmine Infantino is way up there for me. But even he, you know, every once in a while he'd have something that I'd look at and just go, nah, I don't know about that. But Kurt, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Murph uh, Anderson, I don't know that I've ever looked at anything he's ever done and gone, nah, I don't know about that, you know? Some of the Infantino Batman stuff was just a little overstylized, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, some of his space stuff, too, because I, I got, God, I can't remember what the hell it was I was looking at not long ago. It wasn't Adam Strange, but it was much like Adam Strange. Yeah, I was going to say, his Adam Strange was amazing. Yeah, but this this was like, it, it, it just wasn't as clean somehow. It, it had more of that scratchy edge, like his his very, very late Spider Flash Woman. stuff, right before he, you know, right before Flash got canned. Spider-Woman. Yeah, yeah, a lot like that. You know, where the faces started to be really elongated and all that. Kind of uh, angular. Yeah, and it's, it makes it sound like I don't like the guy, and and that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, I love him, and I, I defend him on Star Wars because I know that you know a lot of people may look at that and go, "Wow, you know, this is really whatever." But I look at that, and I'm just I'm in love. Oh, with I that love stuff. it too. Yeah, yeah. I, I it just to me that was Star Wars for those in between years, you know, between the movies. So yeah, yep. I, utmost respect. I hear you. And to anybody listening who's kind of younger, which we have some younger listeners, when you go to those conventions, go check out those old guys. Those are the guys who started mm-hmm. everything, and you you would be surprised at how much you're going to get out of those guys and how much more willing they are to have a meaningful conversation with you rather than be, being just sort of like, yeah, yeah, not that it won't happen every once in a while. Even, you know, here's like, what I... Hey, yeah, 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 sign your name and give you your book back and just... Right. Well, here's what I would even encourage people to do. Kind of like, you know, I did this at Dragon Con. Even if they're nothing more to you than a name that you go, God, I know that guy's a legend, but I don't have anything to say to him. I don't have anything for him to sign. I don't own anything that they've done or whatever. Simply just walk up and say, thank you for what you've contributed to... Because who was it, Chris, that was at Dragon Con (laughs) with the Disney stuff? Um... Oh, he's oh, he's a he's Don a Rosa. Don Rosa it was, was there. Gorgeous. It was like satirical huge. Disney stuff, kind of racy. Yeah, and it was beautiful. And and he had this entire wall behind him of all these gorgeous duck covers that he had done. And what he had done is he had taken iconic Marvel and DC covers, 
like uh, like when Superboy tried out for the Legion and got rejected and stuff, but he'd redone them with Disney characters, you know, like the Duck characters, and they were gorgeous. Oh, I mean, they were beautiful. the coolest things. But I mean, I don't collect that stuff. I don't read that stuff. I'm not in any way versed or knowledgeable on it, but I knew who he was. I would say this. I would highly recommend that you check out his two Scrooge McDucks that they collected. Mm -hmm. They're really good. He's a, his art is beautiful and yeah. and I mean but he I, did the life and time he did this thing he, you know he was he's a duck guy he's done but you know Donald Duck and Scrooge uh-huh. McDuck for years right but they put out the collected versions of uh, the life and times of Scrooge McDuck Duck, yeah and then uh, they did a second one as well um, and it was like more details of his story of Scrooge McDuck more life and times but um, so, yeah, they're just, really cool stories to read. Those I just I would definitely get to... those first. I'm so. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> but yeah, I just I made a point to just you know go up and just shake his hand and just like you know thanks you know I mean I didn't know what else to say but it just seemed like it it meant a lot to him you know yeah. to be thanked for what he that's, had done. That's what I had to do with Louise Fletcher. <laughs> I had to go up right. and say, "Hey, you're in the, my favorite movie of all time." And, she, you know, that character is burned into my psyche. And there <laughs> she was sitting right there, just sort of, and everybody just sort of walking by. <laughs> because she, you know, she has, she was a character in Star Trek, but. Right. You know, I mean, I don't know. Just because it wasn't science fiction related, I was still pretty excited about the whole. That was like seeing. aspect of it all. But it is my I favorite just... movie of all time. Sorry. <laughs> Plus, like Peter that? Mayhew from um, from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Definitely, just hanging out. Drunk <laughs> on <business>. absinthe. <laughs> well, you know, Jack. Uh, one of these days here, coming up, hopefully very soon. Um, I've been kicking around this one idea for a show for a long time, and I, I want to try to 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 move it closer to actually happening where I want to get together some comic book folks and, and do a whole show basically talking about who we consider like the un, unsung legends and heroes or whatever of, of comic books, you know, the guys that we just don't feel get enough notice or recognition or, or whatever for their work. And uh, I'd love to have you join us for that episode. Oh yeah. I'm all about the obscure. Sweet. Well, I'd what do you say, think? What I, do you think, Chris? You want to wrap it up? I, I'm saying on that note, we're we're reaching about that time where we're gonna we're gonna use up all our bandwidth, and they're gonna pull the plug on us. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, we could do this all. We could make this a five hour episode at this rate. So we got to get you back. Absolutely. And uh, and we, we got to get some more guests in the future. So keep watching comics or keep listening to Comics Monthly Monday and. Keep a keep an ear on us because we're going to be in flux for a little while, but we'll keep it interesting and it should be it should be fun. The directions that we'll be heading in. Oh, I think they're going to like this episode. I know I had a blast recording it. Yeah, and hey, cool. it was a, despite my weird fiddle fuckiness with my Skype. I hope uh, <laughs> if anybody notices any weird little jogs in the conversation, that's not that's not Scott and. 
and Johnny's fault, you know, of like hitting Alzheimer's and forgetting what they were talking about. That was <laughs> that was technical. Or maybe it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, quiet about that. <laughs> Let me write it all off in one fell swoop. You know, <laughs> I'll kill two birds with one stone with that. <laughs> but yeah, come back next month and. Uh, God only knows what's going to be here, but it should be interesting and fun. And Comics yeah. Monthly Monday will be back in its own regular time slot right. on the third Monday of the month uh, next month as well. Right, next month at this time, there'll be some random episode. And next month, just to remind Scott if he even knows this, but next month is going to be a, is another bonus, bonus month for our listeners <gasps> and for us. Next March is another five. It's a bonus... Yep. Freak month, so you'll get a, a fourth fourth week wild card show, and then a fifth week wild card show. So we definitely need to plan one of those two weeks. We need to finally shit or get off the pot. We need to pull out one of those things that we keep saying. You know, we we should do this, we should do that, and we need to just do it. We need to do it. We need yeah. to crank it out so it it will be a surprise we don't know what it'll be yet but we will finally address something that we keep saying oh yeah we'll we'll do that eventually we will do it so it's gonna be a surprise to everyone (laughs) well johnny it was fun fun having you on the show yeah i had fun you know certainly feel free to give me a call i'm uh you know pretty much a comic maniac and well we want to get like talking we want to get you into the. We want to get you as our, as our traveling, as basically um, our Charles Corral, on the roving report. If yeah. you want to do, I mean, if you want Chris to record just like a ten or fifteen minute thing, I can tell you about different places and shops I've seen or well, been to recently. That's what I mean. Yeah, get a, get get a list of all these places that you've been and where they are, and like, we'll get their website and stuff and. You know, I think we should stick to ones that are good ones. You know, just recommend right. people to to good yeah. comic yeah. shops instead of like trashing bad ones. Although I'm right. sure there's ones, unless you find one that really deserves and needs yeah, if a there's one that's exceptionally shit, yeah, yeah, out of like my like the one I go to right now. Really, is it that bad? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. guess Scott has some trouble in his community with his. Too. I, I, well, yeah, I think I think we should actually have a, as as well as having a regular segment of of folks reporting when they because I think good or or great comic shops I think are the exception I think they're a rarity. So while I don't want to have a regular thing busting on all the ones that suck, at the same rate, I think we should have a shame the sucky comic shop segment. You know, when just, when yeah, just to point out what not to do. Right. If there's an exceptionally shitty one, I think that we should every once in a while. Okay, we're going to shame Shop X because they suck yeah. and it's time they got their shit together, you know? Well, I could tell you one. It's funny. I went, you know, I'm like scanning <laughs> all over the hometown, the town I live in now. And there's this one that says they carry manga and comics. So I go in there and it's like, use video equipment in there. And there's like, Two, like this girl and this guy that are like all punked out with like piercings and tattoos and all that and I'm like I walk in and they like look at me and the one guy's on the computer a third guy who wouldn't even look at me he was like uh-huh. busy on a computer I was like do you guys carry comics he's like uh, uh 
kind of. We just got a couple of boxes, and I'm like, okay, this is. Can I look at? He's like, he's like, he's like well, what are you looking for? I go Marvel, or, or Underground's like, well, I got some DCs, but I don't feel like getting them out right now. He wouldn't even look at. <laughs> what? <me. laughs> That's not even a comic shop. <laughs> no. That's just a silly like, bunch okay. of people spending their parents' like yeah. inheritance or something like that. Jesus exactly. Christ. I don't feel bunch. like getting them out right now. Is that, is like, they're, it's like they're in the back behind something. And I just, you know, I just, it's a pain in the ass to get them. It's just like, all right, well, <laughs> all right, I'm going to well, go. It's a pain in the ass for me to ever come back here again. Yeah. I'm going to go. Yeah, I hope. That's uh, when you go. Yeah, you know, it's it's a pain in the ass for me to get my wallet out money out of it to it exactly it's a lot of effort exactly it's funny thank you for saving me that that exertion <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking at a picture someone posted on facebook of a giant piece of beef that's cut in the shape of a heart nice raw. happy valentine's and day and it's raw meat it's fucking disgusting good you hang on to that that image everybody well, well, I'm going to sign us off on that note. It's been wonderful talking to you, and it's it just goes to show if you let Johnny Bueno talk too long, it, the conversation goes to raw meat. <laughs> then we have to <laughs> we have to pull the plug. Fish heads, fish heads, roly poly fish heads, fish heads, fish heads, eat them up, yum. Fish heads, fish heads, roly poly. Laughing happy fish heads in the evening, floating in the soup. Fish heads, fish heads, roly poly fish heads, fish heads, fish heads, eat them up, yum. Ask a fish head anything you want to, they won't answer, they can't talk. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com where you can download all of our episodes and find our forum to openly and freely discuss topics from this and all other episodes with us and your fellow listeners. twotruefreaks.libsyn.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libsyn, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. The Two True Freaks now have a phone line where you can call and leave a completely inappropriate message. Maybe we'll even use it on the show. That number is 1-585-COP-LURE. That's 1-585-267-5873. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this show, why not review us in iTunes? And if you didn't enjoy this show, why not review us in iTunes? Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are now also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcasts.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening to Two True Freaks. Fish heads, fish heads, eat them up, yum. Yeah. 
Future Freaks has been brought to you today by DeManzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.